Hi everyone and welcome to The Mind Behind It. My name is Huda. And I am Sahil. Let's get into it. My name is Brian Robinson. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, USA. I'm the uh, author of Hashtag Chill, Turn Off Your Job and Turn On Your Life. And your job doesn't have to be gainful employment. It can be, you can be a volunteer, a stay-at-home parent, a student. Uh, your job is whatever you spend most of your time doing. So yeah. it's really about life balance. Unless, unless you're a panda, because then most of the time you're... You are chilling. <laughs> well, we, we need to be more like pandas. Actually, they're good role models for us. You know, yeah, but, but they don't need to worry about money, Brian. <laughs> I know. They don't need to That's go to work and saying. wear a suit. <laughs> exactly. They already have a suit. They have nature suit. Well, they suit. do have wear a suit. Yeah, it's black yeah. and white. All right. Before we go into your book and hashtag chill. Okay, great book, Brian. We all know that. What's the one thing that really ticks you off? Really, really bothers you? Personally? Yes. Um, well, there are a lot of things. Oh, right. is, give me three. Give me three. You want them all? One is uh, people being mistreated because of their race or sexual orientation or gender. And it's usually by someone who has one tooth in their head and uh, they're concerned that the gene pool is going to get affected. The other thing is people who are abused, children especially. And the third thing that pisses me off. And it could be a common thing like stubbing your toe (laughs) on the kitchen counter. Oh, no, it's not. But you know what? Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, When my uh, printer jams. Oh, (laughs) really, really gets me going. Or like yesterday when I lost all control, all of my um, Internet, everything gone. And, so and I it's, had people here all day working on it. But, yeah, but, yeah. but that's really interesting that, that something as small as a printer jam can yep. really, really tick us off. Like, well, it seems jam, like it think of this, a, print, a printer jam or a traffic jam, you know, jams just get under our skin, don't whether it's well, yeah. unless it's blueberry Great jam, jam or, <laughs> <laughs> or have a jam session, a jam session. Now that would be a positive thing. This does have relevance for balance because uh, the things that tick us off uh, are what we call the sympathetic nervous system. So a traffic jam, people get irritated and frustrated and give the finger and yell out the window. But a music jam, you're in your parasympathetic nervous system. You're lighthearted and having fun. And so it depends on the kind of jam. There's good jam and bad jam. So there's no such thing as right and wrong. It's just everything's relative. It's too little or too much. You know what else pisses me off, Brian? What? So I'll tell you a little story. So the other day, so the other day I was driving in this residential area and we've got roundabouts. Yeah. And this guy was driving at 80 in the zone, right? Wow. Yeah, it's supposed to be 50. Not 80 miles, by the way. 80 kilometers. Still, oh, oh. St- still keep the <laughs> anger like, up. Whatever, I'm then. with you. <laughs> yeah. And then I was supposed to take this slip road and enter the main road. And I decide when I want to enter it because there's traffic coming from the other side. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take my time with it. I don't need to rush it. And this guy literally started honking. Yeah. And I don't know what happened. 
Actually, I do know what happened. I got really, really upset. And I took my face out of the window and I showed him the finger. And I no, could, you did. And, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I loved it. Oh, you my did God. not. I totally uh, did it. and You just I, ruined my image of you. <laughs> Look, I'm not perfect, Brian. And as you said. <laughs> well, I thought you were, but now I know you're not. That's no, okay. I'm definitely not. And, and then this guy followed me, stopped at the signal, came out, and he's like, you want to fight? Oh. And this happened in the first 10 minutes of my morning. <laughs> and? Now, now, now is, wait, is that something? I gotta, yeah, yeah. Now, we got this. We got to talk about this. Please. Yes. Uh, because uh, it, this is really the crux of what I usually talk about, and that's what I call self-regulation. Mm -hmm. So that anger, we all have anger. Mother Nature hardwired it in us for survival. So we all get pissed off once in a while, right? I had a similar incident. Uh, gosh, this has been two years ago. I was coming back from Atlanta, Georgia, and I was back in Asheville, North Carolina, and I was getting off on the ramp to go to my house, and I casually looked over, and there had been a woman in a little red car in front of me. And I glanced over, and she gave me the finger and a scowl, and I, I did a double take and thought, what the heck is that about? I had no idea. But here's what I do, and this is self-regulation. I was aware internally that my anger was coming and he was going to kick me out and take over my inter internal boardroom is what I call it, right? I stopped him. This is the work that I do. You talk to these parts, whether it's anger, control, frustration, worry, whatever it is, they're all board members. I stopped him and I said, ah, no, We're, he wanted me to give her the finger back. And I said to him, that's not who I want to be in the world. Now, why would I do that? Because I feel like I just hit a home run. I didn't even think a second thought about who that was or why it happened. I felt good. That's my, what we call, what I call the C spot. When you can move into your C spot, you feel calmer, clearer, more compassionate, happier, a bunch of C words. I've had one of the best days of my life because I felt like I'd made a touchdown. The key is to not let other people determine our happiness. So well, you started off your day by allowing someone else to control whether you, you were going to be happy in that day. So think about taking that back and working internally and not allowing someone else to determine your happiness for the day. Uh, just for the listeners, the C spot, not to be mistaken with the G spot, different spots. They're very similar. That, they feel I, about I actually, the same by the sounds of they it. They do. <laughs> yes. It's interesting, Sahil, you would even say that because... That's where I came up with the C spot. I wanted something that parallels the G spot, that's uh, euphoric, because it is. I mean, when you have that kind of experience, it's euphoric. Yep. But you got to find it, just like you have to find the G spot. You got to find the C <laughs> spot. All right, Huda, I'll, I'll stop. But okay, wait, before we move on to you, okay. I do 100%. 100% agree with you because I felt really stupid after. Like I felt like a complete idiot. And That's it's really right. funny. Later on in the day, I was watching this amazing interview with Mike Tyson. And uh. Mike Tyson was talking to this uh, fairly younger boxer. And um, the young boxer was like, you know, sometimes these little things, especially when I'm practicing, I can't get the punches right. It's like, I really feel angry. And Mike Tyson's like, then you lost. He's like, what I want you to remember is that if you give in to that anger, to that emotion, then they're your master. I, love I was it. like, holy shit. That profound. Well, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Should we 
should we not be cursing in life in general? Is cursing good? Like saying fuck or shit that, or damn or hell or I say does, it a lot. I actually swear a lot. Yeah. Does it? Does well, it, how does it affect? Here's your mind? the way. Here's the way I. I don't think it's a bad thing. Goes back to that metaphor. It just is. Sometimes it it just feels really good to say a good fuck, you know, just to say fuck it. Uh, yeah. It's a Freud called it a catharsis, a release. Yeah. But I don't advocate saying that to other people, calling people names like fuck oh, face. Yeah. I I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't. <laughs> I, don't <laughs> I don't really know what it means. These words that don't make sense. So I don't take right. them personally. <laughs> um, so when we talk about balance, I think that it's a hard thing for most people to strike. In terms of when people start off working, what happens if you're trying to build a career for yourself? There are you know times where you're at the very beginning where you have to work stupidly hard in order to attain a certain level. So in terms of that, how do you suggest people you know work hard to get to a certain status or whatever, but also balance and have a good lifestyle? I think we made it too complicated. In fact, we've made it more complicated than it needs to be. And there's a lot of research on this now, especially in neuroscience. And one of the things I talk about in hashtag chill is what I call micro chillers. Micro chillers are brief, quick, easy, effective, free exercises, five minutes or less, that activates what we call the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest response. So we don't have to have hours and hours of relaxation to bring balance. Five minutes, actually five minutes a day, will do it. Or five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the afternoon, where you're in present moment awareness. If I were to ask everybody right now who's listening, yes. this is a really simple one. And we're going to do this for one minute. If somebody can uh, tell me when one minute is up, everybody listening, what I want you to do is wherever you are, listen to the sounds around you and just notice as many different sounds as you can. Don't try to memorize them. This is not a trick. Just notice as many different sounds. It could be your gurgling stomach. It could be ambient noise, traffic, airplane, it could be the heating system. Just notice as many different sounds as you can. And Brian, yeah, can yeah. you pay special attention to Huda because she cannot focus? Like she she gets distracted <laughs> a lot. I can. Oh, so. that's okay. But yeah. you know what? This is a form of meditation. We call it open awareness meditation is bringing your focus into the present moment. So mm -hmm. this will help Hoda and everybody listening who has trouble just being present. Our mm -hmm. minds are usually either in the future, worrying about what's going to happen mm -hmm. or planning, or in the past, regretting something we've already done. And the present goes by. So what we're really talking about, a microchiller is being present just for a little bit to train your brain that it's okay to be in the present because our right. brain doesn't like being in the present. Let's do it. I'm excited. Okay. All right. Ready? Go.
Okay. I noticed uh, Huda and uh, both of you, Sawhill, both of you automatically closed your eyes. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I need to shut my eyes to yeah. shut the world out. <laughs> to focus. Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm not going to ask you what you heard. I'm going to ask you what you notice inside right now in your body. I'm just chill. <laughs> oh, what right. a suck up. I'm calm. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I use the word you notice chill for calm. It moves you into your C spot. Calm, mm-hmm. chill, clarity mm-hmm. even. You'll notice those C words. And yeah. the way we get into the C spot, we don't try to get there. We do some activity or exercise is the on-ramp to it. Uh, the paradox is if you try to get into your C spot, you can't. You have to let it happen organically. And so most people listening, if they really were able to focus on those on the sounds, probably notice that they do feel calmer inside. Now, that's only one minute. Imagine if you did that for five minutes. That old, the old notion of meditating for an hour and a half and sitting on the floor, lotus style, burning incense, playing me- weird music, <laughs> making a mantra, that's, that's how old fashioned and it's yep. n- not necessary. You can mm-hmm. do this anywhere in your car if you're not driving, if you're sitting still, uh, or, or you have your eyes open. You can do it in your office for five minutes. And what we know is both of you and I did too, just, uh, triggered my autonomic nervous system, which is my rest and digest response. And what that does over time, it widens and it will, you will automatically notice you don't react to things like you normally would because you're training your brain. Hey, it's okay to be calm sometime. We don't have to be going 80 miles an hour changing tires all the time. Yeah. So that's just one little example. We can talk about other ways to get. Well, an interesting thing, I think, which which is really important for people to kind of listen to is what I really, really do not understand about, especially meditation that's taught around the world, modern day meditation, Uh is that somehow people expect meditation to be like flowers blossoming in a garden. That's not what meditation is. Like meditation should be dirty, like shit should be coming out and it shouldn't be like you should be feeling like oh my god i feel so perfect because it's not about that it's like you will get distracted and that's That's actually a great thing that's actually great yeah and there's this misconception such a good point because that's one of the biggest uh you're incredible you're just (laughs) stop brian i'm gonna deal with this guy later (laughs) i'll talk to you offline yeah he paid me to say that by the way yeah uh, because most people, that's where most people give up, you know, their mind starts to wonder and they say, I can't do it. Well, that it's supposed to wonder. That's what meditation is. You just pull it back and say, Hey, come back here. Let's just go back to our breath or back to the mantra, whatever our focus is. That's all you do. But when your mind wonders that it's supposed to, because what yeah. you're doing is working on being in the present moment and you're training it like you would your dog or your child, you know. So we did an episode where I was actually talking about how I deal with my own anxiety. And I know that it's a little bit different, Uh but I think anxiety is a huge thing that people often deal with. And I said that the way I deal with it is, so I call it mental management. And she's going to blow your mind with this. She blew mine. I'm not. I think that. I'm being honest. I love having my mind blown. Yeah. (laughs) I'm being honest though. Blow my mind, Um, Huda. So what I do and 
I've done this for the longest time. This started years and years ago. I can't even remember when, but I realized that a lot of the time, majority of my issues were coming from, there's this part of your brain that just says horrible things to you all the time. We all have that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So it would happen a lot and it would get me down. And then a day that was shit turned into days, weeks, months. And then before you know it, you're depressed for ages. Yeah. So what I did was I decided I can't let those things control me. So I started controlling them instead. That's it. So the way I did it was I sat with them, realized I'm pretty over this. And then I started saying to myself, well, is this going to affect you a week down the track or a month down the track? And then a lot of the time your answer is no. Because it's not. This feeling is here for now and that's it. Right, yes. And it should just stay now and after that you can't carry it on. So I started managing my own thoughts by going, this is not conducive to what I want to achieve Uh and this is not true Uh and I started combating it. And so I've been doing that for probably two years now, I would say. And I just think that that's why I feel far less insecure And one shitty day won't be one shitty week. And I think it's given me control of the way I'm going to navigate myself. Unless it's a nose. (laughs) She's still insecure about that. (laughs) I I think it's a perfect nose, but hey, who am I to talk, right? Brian, we just... I just hate my nose. (laughs) I love love your nose. Oh, thank you. Actually... That going from mental management and listening to Huda's story, everyone has this part of them or a time in their life and go, I want to make this change. For you, Brian, when did you decide this is something you wanted to work towards as, as a field, was it, as an area of research? Was there something in your life that triggered it or you went, the world needs this and I'm going to do it? Well, it, there was something in my life, as with most psychotherapists, uh, there's something that usually leads us into helping other people because what we're really doing is trying to help ourselves Mm -hmm. deal with something that happened, right? And it's required. If you're going to be a psychotherapist, you have to do your own work, right? So I did my own work. When you're trained, uh, we train on each other and we deal with real shit from our past, Mm -hmm. right? And so that helps you deal with the present. One of the things that, Hoda, you're talking about, though, is to what I call the internal boardroom. Hmm where I'm the CEO of my world, my organization, right? Yeah. And inside me, I sit at the head of my table, just like a CEO, and I have stockholders around my table, like the critic that you're referring to that tells me what a shit I am, Mm -hmm. the judge that tells me uh, how incompetent I am and what I'll never be able to do. The, my worry that tells me something horrible is going to happen. This is Mother Nature's way. This sounds weird, but it's Mother Nature's way of baking in our survival. Yeah. No, it doesn't sound weird. It makes absolute sense. It may sound weird to some listeners, or maybe not, but it's the negativity bias that these parts, even though they make us feel miserable, they don't care about us being happy. They don't give a shit about us being happy. They want us to survive. And so they will tell us the worst case scenario so we don't get our head chopped off. So, the so if we want to is- be happy, it's up to us to make sure our CEO is leading and making yep. the decisions like you do and like I did with the example of the woman giving me the finger. And, and I did that- with the 
guy I no, gave the finger to. You yeah. didn't, but you know what? Uh, I don't always either. I mean, like you said, we're human. Thank but you. It's something that we can all use the next time. Sometimes Absolutely. I lose it too. I'm human. I'm yeah. not perfect. Like when the printer jammed. <laughs> when the printer jams. I, I, I've got to share something with you, though, while we're on this, because it just happened. There's a journal here in our country. It's actually a magazine. I, I don't want to say the name of it, but it's very popular and I wanted, I had an idea for an article. So I wrote the editor and said, uh, how can I submit uh, an article to the journal? And three months went by, I never heard a word. So this part of me in my boardroom, I call him the fortune teller, says, what a fuckface. Shit. They, yeah, hey, fuckface, mm-hmm. they don't care anything about you. Yeah. I mean, who do you think you are even asking to be in that prestigious journal? You don't even fit. So the good news is I knew what it was. I t- and, and here's the deal. You talk to these parts, you separate, we call it in, in, this is really cutting edge stuff. What I did is I said, okay, I know you think that, and I know you really believe it, and I know why you're doing it. So what I'm doing right now, even guys can't see my hands, you guys can, but I'm separating from it and I'm talking to it like it's another person. I call this the triple A. I'm aware that it's there. I acknowledge it. I don't fight it. Mm-hmm. I don't try to steamroll over it. And I allow it to be there. And that puts me in my C spot. I start to feel calm. I have clarity about what's going on inside. I even have mm-hmm. compassion for that part in a way. Mm-hmm. But, but let me tell you what happened as a result of that. This past week, I got an answer. I received a copy of the magazine in the mail because I su- subscribed to it. And on the cover was the editor's picture. Ooh. He was dead. He had been dead since 2020. So that's why he didn't respond to me. If you're dead, you can't respond to emails, right? (laughs) Very much so. so. (laughs) It's sad in a way, but I had to chuckle because it's an example of how these voices in our head, these parts, they rarely tell us the truth. Yeah, exactly. And, I love, and, but I we love believe them have, anyway. You have a Sorry. bit of a dark sense of humor. I really like you. Uh, you I do like have a dark, yeah. You have a dark but sense of humor. You know what? So that's what I mean by I sit with them. Uh, like I, I think yes. you've pretty much everything that I've been saying for ages. You've kind of said it so much better. And it's yeah, that's literally what I mean. It's it's the fact that you have to sit with them and you have to rational rationale with them yes. and that's go. Right. There are some parts that may be true, but there are also yeah. some parts that are, you know, they're misled. That's right. And I think that if you have that conversation with yourself in your head, mm-hmm. it's easier to navigate your next steps. That's right. And a part of that also kind of comes from like a lot of the time when I think to myself, oh, they didn't respond or whatever it is, similar to your editorial stuff. It's, uh-huh. They're dead. No, they're not dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, well, I'm going to email again, even though yeah, right. a part of me is like, oh, they probably didn't like it or, you know, they didn't like your resume or whatever it is, or you're not qualified for the job. Like, what are you thinking? The other yeah. thing I do is give everything and every person in my close vicinity the benefit of doubt. That's my life law. Yeah. It's also, you know, if you go on a date and then you don't hear from the person, most people automatically, again, their fortune teller pipes up and says, she didn't like you or he didn't want, they don't want to be with you anymore. Mm-hmm. And then two weeks later, you get a call and saying they've had the flu or yeah. they had to go out of town. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and they so, gave you the uh, flu and now you've got COVID-19 <laughs> you've now got COVID. well. Please get tested. Well, the moral to the story is don't jump to conclusions without evidence, but it well, saves I've- us a lot of agony. 
I think what you touched on was really interesting is, I, and I think this idea needs to be spoken about, is the idea of rejection. Yes. And yeah. if it's a made up idea in itself, like is rejection a made up thing by a mind and it actually doesn't exist? I would say most of the time, yes, not 100% of the time, but most of the time, yes. I'm a writer and if I submit a manuscript to a publisher and they reject it, uh, they're not rejecting me. They're rejecting the manuscript, right? Um, yeah. If uh, if I meet someone and I want to spend more time with them, but they don't want to spend more time with me, I may feel rejected by that, but that doesn't mean they're rejecting me. They're two different things. Being rejected and feeling rejected are not the same. Oh, okay. You need to mm-hmm. you need to talk a bit more because I think people would love to know how to deal with, especially I think what you said with 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 a relationship thing. It's you want to spend time with someone, but they don't want to spend time with you. How yeah. do you take that? I would ask the question: If that happens, do you ask yourself how many times have you not wanted to be with someone who wanted to be with you? Mm-hmm. Are you rejecting them? Probably not. You're just either you don't feel like you have something in common or you don't relate to them in the same way. Uh, I meet people all the time that I don't connect with, but I'm not rejecting them. I just don't resonate with them. So if I said that to them, they would probably feel rejected. That's not rejection on my part. And I work with couples too. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. And a lot of times I'm using a classic example of men tend to want to have more sex than women. And sometimes a woman, women biologically generally need to have emotional safety. Men can go wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, see you later. It's a biological difference. So often men want to have sex and women don't feel the connection because there's no lead up to it. And so if they say, you know, I don't want to, I'm not into it, the man may feel rejected, but that's not rejection. It's a woman saying, I'm, I'm not in that place right now. Yeah. Do you see? So rejection yeah. is a frame of mind. Yeah. I have a question. It's related to men and women. Uh, is there a gender thing when it comes to who chills less, <laughs> I guess? I don't think so. I think the surface trappings uh, have misled us. Uh, traditionally, at least in our country, in, in America, uh, women have been in the home and men have been in the workplace now. So on the surface, that looks like women are maybe are chilling more, but women can be burnt out at home. And now, yeah. of course, that's changed a lot. But I think it's just uh, more of a superficial uh, and now that we see women, by the way, in leading positions in the workplace, we have a vice president now for the first time in our country, a yeah. woman vice president, African-American Indian vice president. And uh, now we're seeing women are burning out equally as, as much as men when they're in positions of authority and responsibility. Mm-hmm. So I do think women are more, and I'm, I, I don't like stereotypes, but mm-hmm. have been conditioned to be more compassionate and more sensitive emotionally. They do have more oxytocin, which is the hormone for connecting and loving mm-hmm. than men. Uh, so there's some, really? you know, yeah. Oh, so right. women, so men women... tend to have more testosterone. Yeah. Yeah, so oh. there's some biological differences, but uh, yeah. but I think well, we're becoming more equal uh, in a lot of ways, uh, socially as well as biological. Well, uh, segue from here that I think you pointed out was burning out. 
How do you differentiate between a physical burnout and a mental burnout? I think they're connected, though, too. Yeah, well, they're parallel. But sometimes it thing, can just, just be a mental burnout. Sawhill, I don't think you could separate them because, you know, stress and burnout are not the same things. Mm. The time you burned out, you can't just take a vacation or a day off and recover. It becomes mental because you give up, you lose. You have ennui, which is a French word for lack of purpose, loss of meaning. You're exhausted, you're sluggish, you're tired, you're fatigued, your brain is fatigued, your body's fatigued. It's really hard to separate the two because they both concurrently occur. So um, it's very important to kind of point out when you are burnt out because a lot of people don't want to admit to it. Because we live in a society where we have motivational fuck faces telling us to wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning because all the CEOs in the world do that and that's like the best time for your um, gamma radiations or whatever shit they call it so now everyone's trying to wake up at 4 a.m. and like sleep at 12 and doing like Wim Hof breathing in like giant ice tubs and I think so. when do you know that you're burnt out how do you like how do you know because a lot of people well, won't know or won't admit. You lose your energy. You lose your uh, focus. You lose your sense of purpose. You lose your passion. It, it, let's say if you have passion for your work and it, it evaporates, that's gone. Those are red red flags right there. It seems like you're depressed. You know. I, I think the sense of purpose one is, is the one that I can actually point out more for myself. Because I, I always feel with energy, it can be a transit phase where... You know, you have periods in the day when you have high energy, you have periods in the day when you have low energy. Right. And, you know, now we have these energy stimulated drinks that we can just like drink and like the four hour energy pill, which is massive in America. Like I knew everyone That's in nice. college was taking it. Adderall that people just oh, take. Yeah. That was a yeah. big thing there for a while. Maybe still yeah. is. I'm yeah. And yeah, like, it is. So, so people don't even realize the energy factor and they go, oh, no, I'm feeling energetic. To come back to the idea of balance, chugging a Red Bull or a Starbucks or popping an Adderall activates your sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. your anxiety, your cortisol, your adrenaline. It clogs the arteries in your veins over time, eventually ends up with heart attack creates heart attacks so it also revs up your nervous system the antidote it would be the parasympathetic which is the brakes uh sympathetic is the gas uh parasympathetic is the brakes mm-hmm. and like a daily nap we have tons of research showing instead of taking those stimulants taking a 30 minute or less nap energizes you people give you so much shit give you so much shit for taking naps I well mean, you know thrive global which is a uh, was started by ariana huffington pizza hut and nike all uh, encourage employees to take power naps and they even have sleeping chambers in some of these places for folks to do i've actually been to ariana huffington's office and i got to sleep in the sleeping chamber for a few minutes. So it's changing. I mean, there are people who are on the cutting edge who are, um, they're really big into disconnecting. I wouldn't say it's the majority, but the, mm-hmm. the ones who are really leading. Yeah. So I have a question. And this is something that I find a lot of people kind of talk about in terms of an issue. There are two types of people I find when it comes to careers and jobs and whatever. There are people that are, when they're unhappy overall in their job, they're unhappy in life. However, there are those that work to play. So in terms of that, a lot of people ask the question, 
I'm not happy in my job. I'm one of those people that gets a new job and after a couple of months, I'm unhappy. And then there are those that are like, well, I see work as work. It's just my job. And I do it so that I can have a good life outside of that. So for the people that struggle with that concept, how do we reckon with that? Well, happiness is an inside job. Okay. And it's not what we're doing. It's uh, how we're thinking about and and our perspective on what we're doing. And so we take that with us to whatever job there is. So there's some people who may go from one job to the next and they keep saying, I don't like this. I don't like that. But it's really about working internally and being aware of the part of that comes up that we call it blending. It blends with us. The experience filters through that part. And so once we realize that we can, um, well, I'll give you an example. When I was a professor at the university, I had a graduate class in the evening and uh, it was a rainy, cold night, was headed out. I'd been in my private practice and I was going to teach a class in the evening for counselors. And I was whining about I would. I want to be home in front of a fire, glass of wine. Mm-hmm. Why do I have to do this? And I wasn't aware of, of what was going on in my head. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. I don't have to do this. And I realized it wasn't the job. It was my attitude. And so I said to that part of me, again, here's that part that had taken over my boardroom and saying, I have to do this. And I started talking to it. And I said, no, wait a minute. I don't have to do this. I'm full professor. I have tenure. I can drive home. They can't fire me. I can do whatever I want. And then I reminded that part of me, you know what? I chose this job. I chose the course I wanted to teach. I chose the day and the time. I created this. Nobody's doing this to me. Mm -hmm. So sometimes we unwittingly become victims of things we create and we don't realize. And once I reminded that, I started to feel empowered, uplifted. And I will tell you, I had one of the best class. I'll never forget it. I had one of the best classes I ever had because I was seeing these young folks learning skills and they were doing their presentations and they were going out into the world to help other people. And it was great, but things shifted inside me. I went from being victimized by something to being empowered simply because I shifted my perspective. That's the key. And it's always inside out, not outside in. And you talk a lot about feeling like you are the victim in in the book as well. And I think a lot of people, I was having this argument with my mom. So my mom's a GP. So both my parents are GP. Somebody came to my mom as a patient. And, you know, this is a woman who's having problems, uh, migrated to Australia, from India. And my mom's like, you know, sometimes I feel bad because they have no choice. And I'm like, no, they do have a choice. They do. They absolutely have a choice. But then it also part of my brain went, there's a huge percentage of population that is not living in first world countries. So what is your message to people who are living in third world countries for whom survival is everything and and for them to find that balance? How do they find that balance? Like I, I lived in Bombay. Uh, for a couple of years and I was auditioning every oh, day. Oh, I love Bombay. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. place. And, yes, you know, I would take the train in the morning at eight o'clock and all these people, uh, blue collared people, actually everyone, blue collar, white collar, they were traveling on it and, you know, they were just seeing ads of buying a house. And I was like, most of these people will never be able to buy their house. And their whole focus yeah. is just to get a house 
and you know, so that they can have this for their family. And in the evening, those same people still had that piece of newspaper. So, so what is something that they can do for a lot of I'm people? I'm so glad you asked this question because it was where my mind was going before you even asked the question. I feel like we're getting synchronized. There is a man by the name of Victor Frankl who wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning about his yep. experiences in Doc Cowan Auschwitz. And his quote is one of the quotes I live by. And I'm going to probably slaughter it, but, but let me try to give it to you. Uh, and I hope everybody hears this because everybody listening can apply this to their lives. Between the stimulus and the response... There is a space, and in that space, we have a choice, always. And in our choice, we are free and we can grow. Now, most of us run roughshod over that space. We don't even realize we have a choice. And you hear people say, I have no choice. I hear my clients say this all the time, and I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes, you do have, you always have a choice. If you stop and think about it, you always do. This is what helped him survive the, the Holocaust. When people were dropping dead around him and his wife was uh, sent to the gas chambers, he made an pact with himself. The Nazis can take my freedom. They can take my food. They can take my clothes, but they can never take my will. Mm -hmm. I'm holding on to it. That's pretty cool. So if he can survive the Holocaust, most of us can survive whatever it is we're doing. Yeah. It's like, you know, that little example I gave you of going to work, uh, it com is not even doesn't even compare to what he went through and what many people, as you say, uh, Saul Hill in India are going through. It was my experience, though, and it helped me realize, hey, I do have a choice. I don't have to do this. That helped me see I had a choice of how I wanted to respond to this situation. And that's the most powerful thing any of us can ever have. It yeah. You feel empowered regardless of the circumstances you're in. You can surmount anything. It's just amazing. This is what resilience is all about. Yeah, um, so true. There's, there's a woman, uh, you know, her name is Dr. Edith Egger, E-G-E-R. She's also a survivor of the camps. She will be appearing at Resiliency 2021, which I'm co-hosting on September the 9th, 2021. It's free for everybody. Uh, in Australia and around the world. We already have 39 countries. She has written a book called The Gift. And when I spoke with her last year, she was in Hitler's death march and she was walking and she was asking where her mother was. She was a little girl. And one of the Nazis said, you see the smoke coming out of that chimney? Oh, my God. Oh, said, yes. And he said, that's your mother. This, oh this woman is the most, that is... isn't that horrible? Uh, but but her, her view of life is uh, nobody can make me feel anything. I am not the result of what happened to me. I choose what happens to me. And she lives it. She's 90-something years old. These are the kinds of people who've been through a lot worse than hopefully I will ever go through, who inspire me on a daily basis. The Nazi guy could have just said she's dead. But there's something really sadistic about saying you of see course. that smoke there oh yeah, yeah it's yeah. really yeah like, it's like they're out to it's like they want to upset to you upset you that's right and, that's but right. Uh, on that very cheerful note uh, <laughs> uh brian um yeah. 
I do want to say, so I think we have covered very few examples of, you know, these amazing exercises you've spoken about, these micro chillers in your book, uh, Hashtag Chill. I, while I was YouTubing, you know, your previous interviews and stuff, just to get to know you a bit more, I actually saw that you can find like YouTube narrations of your book. And what I realized is as much as I respect the fact that people can listen to stuff for free, I do uh-huh. encourage people to buy the book just because when you do invest money in something, you're more prone to read it and take something away from it. So I would definitely, definitely suggest that. I also wanted to mention that on my website, folks can go and take the hashtag chill test to see how chill they are. And it's automatically scored. Yeah, Um, I did that. I did that test. I love doing tests. How chill were you? I was very, I was pretty chill. She I was, was pretty chill. bloody chill. She actually right. needed to take the test again. That's how chill she was. I was like, <laughs> I knew it though. I didn't. Yeah. I had a feeling. I had one more question for you in regards to shift work. So I know coppers, and oh, they do. Tell him what coppers are. Cops. He knows what. Cops oh, thank are. you. No, oh. coppers is not like a traditional term in America. Isn't it? Yeah, coppers. he's right. No, I wouldn't have known that. Oh, shit. Police. Sorry. He we is so, police. he is brilliant. No, it's because oh I'm Oh my God, there. Brian. I think <laughs> I lived in Michigan. Romance, cops. They do shift work as well as some very confronting work because of the type of work that they deal with. They have to deal with the worst of humanity. They do long hours, you know, can't always uh, connect with other people because of their perception of people because plus the shift work. My question is, what is a good tip for people like that? You know, how can they connect better with others and also chill, I guess? Like, what can they do when... Well, I will tell you this. There's a lot of research on shift work. It's interesting you asked me that because I've been... I'm writing a, a something for Forbes about it. And we, we know that it does affect people physically and mentally, regardless whether the police or nursing or yeah. whatever. Um, but... The number one thing is to have a self-care plan. A self-care plan is to think about, you know, that metaphor of if you're on an airplane and there's an emergency and the oxygen mask falls, if you have a child on your lap, who gets the oxygen mask first? Who, yeah. who? You. Right. Love, it's funny because when I ask that question, a lot of times people say the child because no. that's the first. <laughs> but you do because if you're not there, then everybody goes to hell in a handbasket. So, uh, and what does that mean? It's how you talk to yourself, which we were referring to later. Self-compassion, being on your own team, giving yourself pep talks, affirming yourself, really liking yourself. And a lot of people don't like themselves, and that adds insult to injury, right? That's mm-hmm. one thing. The foundation, the trifecta of self-care is nutrition, exercise, and sleep. Mm-hmm. Sleep is huge. Like you got to have those things going on for you. And indulging yourself. Meditation is one of the best medicines available today. Five minutes a day or less. It's free. It, it's unbelievable. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. Just five minutes or less. These are the kind of tools that people when they apply them, it makes a big difference what you bring to that situation. I know it's, I don't want to make it sound like it's as easy as I'm making it sound because I know that's a big, big responsibility being a cop. But I think the more, if, if, if you're going to go to the Olympics, you don't just show up. You, do, yeah. you don't just show up. You have to be mentally and physically prepared for it. And mm-hmm. yeah. those kinds of jobs, people really need to, to take care of themselves before they show up for work. Yeah, And we are really looking forward. I think we are going to share it in our 
resources section yeah when um, your Forbes article comes out absolutely the conference resiliency 2021 is free for everybody worldwide it's totally free all you have to do is sign up we have Atlantis Morissette who will be appearing Ariana Huffington uh, I mentioned Dr. Edith Edgar who survived the Holocaust she will be speaking about her experience and Jennifer would it be recorded Brent. would it be recorded as well yes it will it? be recorded yes perfect it will be recorded if for some reason you can't be there yeah, um, because of time Dan, Dan Harris of ABC News Jericho Brown who is a Pulitzer Prize winning poet Aaron and Markovich you. oh and of course you. I'll be there I'll be co-hosting well, I'll be there nice. the whole it's a three that's hour cool. live website web well website. that's why I'd like people to attend it to get to learn from you because it's been yeah. awesome chatting to you thank you it's been great it's been an absolute pleasure Brian don't thank let you the- so much for your time Yes. Oh, you're so well. And don't let both the, of you. And don't let the printer jam piss you off. <laughs> the jam, the traffic jam. <laughs> Any of the jams. Don't the let the three jams. Jam. No jams. No and jams. Just, and, and when just I come to out. Australia, I'm looking you both up. And yeah, we will go are. out and jam together. And yep. we'll reach out for our C-spots. Very <laughs> good. Sure. On that uncomfortable note. Thank you so much I'll for your see time. see you soon, Brian. My right, pleasure. Bye. Bye. bye.